0: That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500, 500
1: I was terrified. He had this look. He was so determined coming at me. I didn't know what he was going to do. And he had one hand on my mouth. He pulled something out of
2: his pocket and he slipped my throat. That's then 25-year-old Tiffany Mead. She's not talking about some stranger. She's talking about the man she loved, the father of her children, who cut her throat when she tried to leave him. And
1: as he's slitting my throat, he says, shh, don't scream, stay calm. And I didn't scream.
2: I'm Erin Moriarty, 48 hours, and this is my life of crime. Every time you look in the mirror, are you reminded of that night?
1: I avoid looking in the mirror as much as possible.
2: Okay, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's not easy to hear Tiffany's story or any story of domestic abuse. But in this case, Tiffany Mead is alive today because of some caring and creative cops. This is their story, too. And it begins, as so many cases do with a 911 call. What is the address of your emergency? I'm in front of Davis High School. My neck's bleeding. I need help quick. The call comes in just before midnight on July 24, 2013, in Davis County, Utah. Okay. What happened? I tried to commit suicide. Please help me. How much are you bleeding?
1: A lot. My shirt is soaked.
3: What's your
2: name?
1: Tiffany Mead. Okay, is anybody with you, Tiffany? My husband and
2: my son. Deputy Sheriff Jason Sorensen was one of the first at the scene.
1: She's just sitting right in her driver's seat of her vehicle. I knew she was in really bad shape.
2: There she was, a thin, dark-haired young woman holding a blood-soaked shirt to her throat. In the back seat of the car is her two-year-old son, Noah. He's whimpering. And outside the car, about 20 feet away was her ex-husband, Chris Ertman, pacing back and forth.
1: Telling me over and over that she's crazy, that she had tried to kill herself. He had no shirt on. I noticed he had blood all over his
2: hands. Sorensen told me later that he just didn't believe that this young mother would, could, have done this to herself.
0: It was a,
1: a really severe wound. Tell me where it was. It was straight across her neck all the way across. So her trachea had not been damaged. And so you're able to talk.
2: And when she did talk, Tiffany Mead told a very different story. It was her husband, she said, that guy hovering to the side, who actually cut her throat.
1: Why are you here tonight? Well, she tried to commit suicide and I helped her out. And or, and and excited to help her out. and I tried to save her. I assisted in
2: saving her. Ertman, though, he was sticking to the suicide story. We exchanged a few words, and I don't know how she began to put a knife to her throat, but she's trying to say, I slit her throat. She has a history of being suicidal. Now, this actually happens all the time in cases of domestic abuse. Two totally different stories. He said, she said. And while it might be hard to believe, suicidal people do sometimes stab themselves. So Ertman's story was possible. But a knife cut that long, that deep?
0: Usually when people stab themselves, their injuries aren't very significant.
2: Surgeon Sheila Garvey couldn't believe what she saw when Tiffany arrived in the emergency room. She was critical
0: when she came in. She just about cut off her head. There was no way that she could have done that to herself and not that deep.
2: Ertman's story just wasn't adding up. There's the matter of the knife. Where was it? Cops couldn't find it anywhere and why would Tiffany throw it away? What's more, when Ertman was questioned about his wife's injuries, well, he was oddly short on details. I don't remember it, but
1: If you don't mind, I kind of really don't want to talk about it
0: anymore. Why wouldn't you remember? It just happened a few hours ago. He can't remember any details. He didn't ask once how she was doing, and he never asked where his child was.
2: That's Lieutenant Bob Thompson. He did this. People don't commit suicide that way, especially for a mother to do it in front of her child. didn't make sense to me. Lieutenant Thompson is the lead investigator, along with his partner, who also happens to be his boss, Captain Jen Daly.
3: I will never forget, I can still see her laying in that hospital bed. I'm looking at that wound, and the whole time I'm thinking, how?
2: How does someone survive a wound like that? That's what Jen Daly was wondering. But Tiffany Mead did survive, and her husband was arrested and charged with her attempted murder.
3: You know, this girl is strong. She is strong, Aaron.
2: You couldn't find more oddly-matched partners. Jen Daly is a 30-year veteran of the sheriff's department. She's tall, extremely fit. Her blonde hair, which is tightly pulled back in a ponytail, seems to say it all. Don't mess with me. What's your fear if he gets out? He'll try it again. But here's their problem. Can they prove that Ertman really did try to kill his wife? He's still saying that she's the one who cut her throat. And if he wanted to kill her, why let her call 911? And remember that shirt that she used to soak up the blood? Well, that was his shirt. And there's yet another wrinkle. Cops still can't find that knife.
3: It's very difficult without some physical evidence to prove beyond a reasonable doubt.
2: There was enough evidence for a lesser charge like aggravated assault, but that meant Ertman could be out in a year, and that was just something Daly told us that she couldn't accept. I I
3: couldn't even wrap my head around it that you could do that to a human being in front of a child and a year later you're free to walk around. And I said, I want to start listening to jail phone calls.
2: Hello, this is a prepaid collect call from an inmate at Davis County
1: Jail, Utah. This episode is brought to you in part by June's Journey. Picture it, the glamour of the roaring 20s wrapped in a mystery
2: that only you can solve. Dive into June Parker's captivating quest to uncover scandalous family secrets. With your keen eye for detail, find hidden clues and solve mind-boggling puzzles. It's all about observation, Intrigue and drama. But beware. Each clue leads deeper into a thrilling storyline filled with danger and romance. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Your adventure awaits. By then, Ertman was sitting in the Davis County Jail awaiting trial, where every single call is recorded. So Jen Daly started listening in. Every day, Daly would listen to Ertman's calls, incoming and outgoing.
3: I really wanted a confession, because if we got the confession that that's what his intent was, then I knew we could put him away longer. So I listened, and I listened some more, and I listened some more after that.
2: She listened to hundreds of phone calls.
3: And people would come in my office and tell me, I can't believe you're still listening to it. And I would look at them and say, neither can I. I would like to stick pencils in my ears.
2: But Jen Daly was convinced that Ertman would at some point reveal something that could keep him in jail longer.
3: And so my gut kept telling me, you've got to keep listening. It's there. It's
2: there. And then, finally, there it was. Write down this name, um, Raymond, and tell Kenny to... Just uh, Facebook him and tell him that I'm in here. After five months of listening to jail calls, Jen Daly heard Ertman mention a name to his father, Raymond. Can you give me that dude's address so I can write, write him to him if you can? Yeah, what's his name again? Dad has it written down. It turns out that the Raymond that Ertman was so anxious to talk to is a former inmate at the jail, He's now out after serving time on a meth possession charge. Captain Daly and Lieutenant Thompson sat down with him. This is part of that recorded conversation.
0: I spent 90 days in, like, Davis County. Mm -hmm. And so I'm doing pretty good because, to be honest, being skinny and weak and ridiculous all the time was kind of not my lifestyle.
2: Raymond's a bit of a character. And more than happy to talk, that is until Thompson asked him about Chris Ertman.
0: Did you get to know any of the inmates in there? What about a guy named Christopher Ertman? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a quiet guy. Did he ever talk about the situation that he was in with his ex-wife and all that stuff? Yeah. Tell me about that. What happened in jail stayed in jail, man.
2: But Daly pushed.
1: There's a time to do what's right.
3: This
0: is one of those moments in your life that you can start with that. Okay, so what do you want to know specifically? Tell just us tell what me talking. about his conversations. What do you know? He just Admitted guilt, man, I guess. Like that he's the one that cut her throat.
2: Yes, that's exactly what the cops were hoping to hear And then Thompson asked another question, and it was a complete shot in the dark.
0: Did he ever ask you to do anything to Tiffany? Uh, yeah. Tell me about that. He just asked me if I had the connections to arrange for bad things to happen to her. I told him that I did not.
2: And finally, there it was. It sure sounded like Chris Ertman was shopping around for a hired killer. who
3: said bad things. What are bad things?
0: To arrange her death, specifically.
2: Ertman wanted his wife dead, and it sounded like he wasn't going to wait until he got out of prison. They had to warn Tiffany. He wanted to have me killed. He wanted to have someone else do what he
1: couldn't. I remember everyone was asleep, just sitting on the floor, crying and rocking back and forth and wondering... if I could ever leave the house again.
2: Tiffany Mead is very self-conscious about her scars. When she slowly unwrapped the scarf around her neck, I could see long, white, jagged lines at the base of her neck. As for the emotional scars, they will probably never heal. What's been the hardest part? What's been the toughest for you?
1: Getting used to all my new fears, things that most people don't think twice about. Driving at night, the sound of dripping water.
2: Dripping water, why?
1: Because I heard my blood dripping in the car
2: into a pool. Honestly, what do, you, what do you say to that? This young mom with two little boys who suffered such a horrific attack, and now she has to worry about another? Daly and Thompson hoped that they could charge Chris Ertman with solicitation to commit aggravated murder, which could put him away for a really long time, but they would have to prove he was really serious about hiring a hitman. So they sent that former inmate, Raymond, back to jail to visit Ertman.
0: Remember that work that you needed done though? Yeah. Dude, I've got that guy, bro. I can't do it at this time no. Should I try to like negotiate a little bit and see what I can do or what? No, let's just wait on that.
2: It clearly doesn't work. Ertman doesn't bite. So Captain Daly is back to square one.
3: It sucked. There's no doubt about it. And so there was a devastation, and, and it was interesting because then it was like, where do we go from here? I couldn't give it up.
2: Daly didn't give up. A young mom's life depended on it. And then, out of the blue... Daly hears from a jailhouse informant that she's used in the past.
3: He's a bad guy. You wouldn't want to meet him up in an alley.
2: This informant, or snitch, I'm not going to use his name, happens to be housed in a jail block near Ertman. And he tells Daly he has some interesting information he wants to trade.
3: And I told him, no. So you're either going to tell me what you have or this is done.
2: And that's when the snitch gives Daly specific details about Tiffany's knife attack. Details that he could only have heard from Chris Ertman. And there's more.
3: I almost fell off my seat because if anybody could do it, it's him.
2: So Daly and her team set up a sting. They decide they're going to introduce Ertman to an undercover cop who's posing as a hired gun. Now, this sounds a little problematic to me. So I asked County Prosecutor Richard Larson about it.
0: The case law is very clear. It's only entrapment if the government is convincing somebody to do something they wouldn't otherwise do. You don't go and say, hey, can I do this for you? It's, I've heard you want me to do this. Is that correct?
2: And they've got the perfect cop to do it. We'll call him Jim Kelly. Kelly visits the jailhouse snitch and asks him to introduce him to Chris Ertman. The entire visit is taped by the jail.
0: Where's Ertman? How's Ertman to come here for a second.
2: You see Ertman as he walks up and takes a look at the undercover cop, who he thinks is a hitman. That's Chris Ertman. Mm-hmm. And he's taking a look at you because he wants to get...
0: He wants to see who he's talking to because he's curious to see who who is this person that's going to come do this for me.
2: Ertman doesn't say a word. But he does hand over a piece of paper with an address. That address is Tiffany Meads. And is it the correct address? It is. Ertman seems to be taking the bait. But cops still can't charge him yet. Prosecutor Richard Larson.
0: The criminal act is the solicitation to have her killed. Just because he provides an address of his victim isn't enough.
2: They need Ertman to clearly confirm that his ex-wife is the target. So as much as Jen Daly hates to have to do this, she asked Tiffany to pose for pictures, staged to look like surveillance photos taken by the hitman.
3: We filled up some bags, and she got in her car and then got out and was walking into the house as if she just got home from shopping, and we took photos.
2: (sighs) Ah. Six days after that first visit, the undercover cop, Jim Kelly, goes back to the jail, asking to see Chris Ertman. The big question at this point, was Ertman serious? Would he agree to see him? Jen Daly sat in her office praying.
3: I was a basket case. Like I seriously had butterflies in my belly to the point I thought I was going to throw up waiting and tick-tock, tick-tock.
2: Kelly goes to the visitor center, and he picks up a phone, hoping that Ertman will pick up the other end.
0: And the next thing I know, I'm on the phone with him. What's up, man? How much? How are you? Good, how are you? I took a couple of pictures and just want to verify with you. Yeah.
2: Kelly shows Ertman the surveillance photos and then holds his breath. Do you see that? Yeah.
0: Is that right? Yeah. Is that her? Yeah.
2: Kelly still needs to get Ertman to say that he's really serious about killing his wife. What kind of things did you ask him to make sure he really wanted her dead?
0: Because we were being recorded and he knew we were being recorded, we had to kind of speak in a code. So what was telling me was, you know, make it happen. Yeah,
2: yeah, just, you know.
0: Have fun. So I had to do the best I could in making sure that we were talking about what we believed we were talking about. And you're saying, I mean, all the way, right? Not, yeah, have
2: fun. Erdman doesn't hesitate.
0: Three or four times try to say things like, you know, this is, you know, we're going all the way and making him affirm that.
2: And he just says, yeah, go have fun.
0: Yeah, but go have fun was hard to hear. Is there a time period? I mean, is there a, no, no. no? Sooner the better. Sooner the better? Yeah.
2: Kelly then moves to the issue of money. How much was Ertman willing to pay for the hit? Kelly admitted to me before he went in that initially he wasn't quite sure how much to ask for. So he went where we all go for answers. You can actually Google the going rate for murder for hire? yeah.
0: We put that into Google and we found a number. Yep. Google. I'm thinking about 5K. Yeah. Does that work? Yeah.
3: So, but just so we're clear, I'm talking about, you know, we're not, I, there's no way to come back from it
0: once, I'm, once I do I know. it. You're good with that? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's good. 5000 is good? Yeah. Okay, well, I'll, I'll uh, I'm planning on taking care of it this weekend.
2: Okay. And with that, they have Chris Ertman. And I went
3: from complete, almost despair that we lost this case to elation like I haven't felt in the blink of an eye.
2: Chris Ertman, already facing attempted murder, was charged with solicitation to commit aggravated murder. But as it turns out, he never went on trial. In 2015, he agreed to a plea deal. Now, how long will Ertman spend in prison? That will be up to the parole board. But he's not going to be out soon. His next hearing is scheduled for June 2020.
1: Twenty-nine. I was so relieved Yeah That was probably the safest I had been Since all of it started
2: All because of Utah cops Who didn't just want to solve a crime They wanted to prevent A far more serious one So that mixed match Pair of detectives Well they look a lot more Like guardian angels
3: I don't know why the cards fell the way they did. I'm just grateful it all worked out for Tiffany Mead because I got involved into this job in 1989 to help people. And I can say I helped one person.
2: And boy, did she. I'm Erin Moriarty, 48 hours, and that's my life of crime. A special thanks to the 48 Hours team, as well as my producers, Sam Egan, Alan Pang, and CBS Audio. Subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Twitter and Facebook at CBS Life of Crime. We'll see you next time. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery.
3: It was really
2: hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.